Hello gamers and welcome to another episode of Shadow of the Gem podcast. Um, just a kind of quick one at the end of the week this week because I wanted to keep up the kind of pace we're doing at least two a week at the moment. Um, this is another slightly off the wall one I think as kind of ideas spring to me through like conversations or other people having conversations on Anchor I'm going to start throwing the ad one off my kind of planned podcast schedule um, just to kind of talk about some topics as they come up. Um, and today we're going to talk about the class system and the levelling system in role-playing games and my kind of feelings about that, um, which are very contrary. It'll be interesting when you hear about, you know, my thoughts and what I actually do um, compared to what my sort of strong feelings might be around it. Um, but before we get into that, as always, going to start off with some of the call-ins. So with that in mind, let's go to the first call-in. Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to the Shadow of the GM podcast, with me, your host, GM Shadow. Hey, Barry, it's Joe, and I thought that was an awesome little breakdown of 4E and what you like and didn't like about it, man. Great job. That was cool. It is not the worst system in the world. It is not the best system in the world. It just is what it is, man. I don't hate it. I also don't apologize for it. So good on you, dude. What I would really be interested in hearing is your take on third edition being a good, you know, segue from second edition. I think that would be super interesting to hear, man. Uh, I'm a big, you know, 3.5 Pathfinder dude myself. I didn't play a whole lot of second edition. Uh, You know, I started gaming back in the mid 80s but we we went to we went to merp and rollmaster like almost immediately so i never really played second edition at all but anyway dude great stuff peace out that was joe there from hindsightless podcast um i love joe's podcast because i do have a lot of love still for third edition more so 3.5 and pathfinder and you know um that was kind of my go-to system for quite a long time um, although I have now gone back to 2E a bit um, yeah doing the sort of progress between the two I mean I'd not really thought that anyone would be interested in that bit of history um, but I guess there's quite a few who even talking on some of the anchor community who kind of skipped a lot of those sort of in- intermediate editions I guess until 5E came out I'd expect there's someone who skipped 5E you know, when it came along because I didn't really like the changes or wasn't weren't keen on this changeover. I think especially when Wizards of the Coast came along in Hasbro, that put a lot of people off just by who was doing it. Um I mean I can't speak for everyone, it's obviously a bit of a generalization there, but I do know certainly in the club where I used to play that that happened that put a lot of people off because um, Wizards of the Coast was with Magic the Gathering and I know there was a big issue about people thought that Magic the Gathering was stealing players from RPGs which is an interesting kind of thought although actually in my experience it brought players to our club and actually some of them stayed and played RPGs and became GMs and stuff in their own right um, <clears throat> as for the conversion between the two I wasn't really aware of a lot of it myself because at the time I didn't actually own any of the players options books it was some of the other DMs who were running games who had them um, and it's only since going back to 2E when I've actually invested in them because there's a lot of negativity around the players' options. And I thought, well, you know, I'm one of those people that's like, well, a lot of people are negative about it, but I'll actually buy them myself and have a look and, you know, go through them. Because I do know there was, I remember when I played, there were some useful bits I pulled out of them when I was building characters um, at the time. And there's lots of stuff in there that I realised then was that there were things, I should say, that did actually make it into third edition and actually came along. So they weren't really third edition things. They were second edition things that were optional that got added in as core rules for third edition. Um, so yeah, I'd probably, I'd definitely be up for it. I need to probably 
go through some of the history and refresh my memory because it's quite a complex period in sort of the history of the game when Wizards of the Coast came along and there was a real kind of like transition period where say there was some TSR products being printed as TSR but they were actually Wizards of the Coast who were printing it with the TSR logo on it and I probably need to look a bit around at the exact timelines because otherwise I might be saying something that's not actually accurate as to what came out when and how that might fit into that model uh, but I think it's probably a lot more of a a smoother transition than we think but just the way it was kind of released and branded it probably seems like quite a big massive change but really i think some of that mechanics were there in the background already okay anyway i'm stuck rambling on there so on to my next caller hey this is josh beckelheimer so i really enjoyed your um, fourth edition review i loved how you set it up as why it's the best game ever and then why it's the worst game and i gotta say man the the best game ever part completely outweighs the worst game part and you got me really excited to play fourth edition something that i never got a chance to do because i was waiting for that virtual tabletop that never came to existence so i would like to play fourth edition and like i said man you got me really excited for it that was Josh there from the JB Publishing Podcast. Yeah, I don't know when I set out to do that um, review that I actually thought I'd get many converts to 4E. Um, I mean, like I said, it's not the best, it's not the worst. I mean, I had a lot of fun playing it. My kind of, I guess, advice to anyone who's thinking should they try 4E is, is to go into it without any hang-ups. It's like, if you go into it expecting D&D, as you remember, from old editions, you are going to be disappointed because it's not the same. It's very, very different. But, you know, if you bought a new role-playing game that had never been played before, you'd never run it before, it was like something made by an independent publisher. And if you play it with that mindset and you think about it, this is just a totally different game, forget the D&D label, just think it's a fantasy RPG, I'm playing a fantasy RPG, and these are the mechanics. If you go with that mindset, you'll probably find that you enjoy it a lot more. I think a lot of the negativity really was around the hang-ups of this isn't Dungeons & Dragons, it doesn't feel right, why are they messed with this, why are they messed with that? And I mean, even the ones who came along into third edition because it was quite a dramatic change even they would kind of struggle with it a lot because like one of the things that i said about the whole thing about saving throws being changed is quite a massive upheaval i mean even in third edition there are still saving throws that you as a player role and this was more like static armor class and but the thing is it was a fun game and it, it does definitely fit a niche i think for people out there who enjoy those kind of games and you know like i said there was lots of really good stuff and there is definitely that tendency that if you throw it all out you throw away some of the good things and you know, I think there's a few things that did come along that even in 5e we still lost a little bit when it went across to 5e. But, you know, on the whole, I actually I think I prefer 5e over 4e. But I would definitely always be up for playing a game of 4e. And I'm trying to be convinced at the moment to run a one shot of 4e. And I'll have to kind of get my head back around the rules because it is quite different, like I said. But, you know, it's one of those that, again, I just say give it a go. But give it a go without any preconceptions about what it's going to be like. Forget all the naysaying you've heard. Forget even the people that have said how it's amazing and it's the best thing ever. You know, it's kind of going as you would do with a new system that you'd ever played before and review it in a standalone sense like that and then see how you feel about it and is it really as bad then as everyone said. Um, although it's geared up, I always feel like there was definitely a tendency towards that virtual tabletop they're really kind of trying to sell. You know, it's not difficult in any game to convert that back. I mean, it's all in squares, but you only have to times it by five and you've got distance and feet, problem solved. You know, it's not really massively difficult. And again, even if you go back to second edition, there was a battle system they did for miniatures rules, so it's not unusual for you know, any of the gaming companies to try and sell you towards miniatures and things. But again, I'll stop rambling and ranting about that. And um, thanks for all those calling, guys. Again, if anyone else has got any comments, any questions, any suggestions, bring them in because, you know, with all these ones coming in, it always gives me loads of food for thought and loads of ideas for other podcasts that might come along after it. Um, so without any more delay, I should then move swiftly on to speaking about levels and classes. Mm-hmm. 
So I guess I want to start this episode main discussion by saying that when it comes to class and level based RPGs, I'm actually in general not a massive fan of them. Um, through my gaming career, I just call it career, gaming experience maybe is more accurate, it's more been through D&D that I sort of have the class and level experience. I mean, there are other games that do it, but most of them, I guess, don't. Um, but I did play a lot primarily of D&D, mostly because of the gaming groups we were in. That's what they wanted to play. That's what they played the majority of the time. And so a lot of my experience are around the class and level based systems. But there are a whole plethora of the ones out there. You know, Pendragon wasn't really based on that from my memory. Um, things like Rollmaster, though there's sort of classes in those, again, it's not really level based um, in that sort of way. And there's just so many now that, you know, uh, Call of Cthulhu, you know, you can sort of like, you know, background based, but again, it's not really class and level based. It's different to that. And it's kind of one of those things that I, I have lots of sort of hang ups around it. I mean, my main issues around about sort of class and levels is that if you take the classes, as far as example they're very rigid they're very kind of defined they're sort of really artificial on the construct you know people might have experience as a fighter but you know why could they not have any sort of magic skills you know it's like you have to like multi-class you have to like spend a whole level of experience doing something else and etc and so on and <clears throat> it's like you know if you if you think about it from a, a mimicking real life situation that's not really how life works and a lot of systems do try and end this out with things like multi-class or dual classing, etc. But again, it's all very kind of rigid. And again, if we take that from the levelling point of view, it's that whole step progression. It's a bit like, you know, you go adventuring for days, weeks, months, whatever, build up experience, and all of a sudden you jump to this next level. It's a big massive step up in some cases between yesterday you couldn't do this and all of a sudden you can do that. And again, some of the systems try and work this out through things like, well, you're supposed to go away and do some training once you've got enough experience and you come back and do it again. It's like, sure, that training should be happening as you're gaining experience and you ought to be training yourself and learning things as you're exploring, not disappearing for a week and then coming back with, oh, look, now we've got all this fancy new stuff and I've got these amazing abilities and so on and so forth. Um, I mean, the thing is, there are advantages to it. There's a reason why. I guess I see it a lot and you know use it a lot in some things it's because it is in some ways a lot simpler and um, when I've played systems and even designed systems myself where players have more options around building the characters through different skills and through different abilities and picks and things that it does put some players off it's like they get a little bit of decision paralysis about they don't understand the system they don't know where to put points into they don't understand that a good thing or that's a bad thing and they're worried about doing it wrong and building it and that if it's just a class, they just pick a class and half that stuff's kind of built in for them. They don't have to think too hard about it. Um, and again, it's like the experience as well. I think of players from all generations, they're used to it from either games they've played offline or often or some online games so many online games although maybe not so much as character classes they do all have leveling and you level up and from level you get to then increase certain abilities and whether it's skill trees etc whatever so i think that really kind of lends to it and i'm a bit contrarian that i don't really like them and i'd rather play a system that doesn't have it because i feel then you can build the character you want with a lot more flexibility than you can with a class-based system and level-based systems and it feels more natural if you can just like increase bits here and there as you move along but i do end up for whatever reason playing a lot of and running a lot of systems that do actually use class and level systems and you know i even back kickstarters like i was talking before and um, the anchor community about how i back stars without numbers which is a sci-fi setting which is actually all kind of class level based it's effectively like the dnd d20 system transferred into a sci-fi setting um, but I actually have Traveller and stuff that I could use Traveller it's very again more about you know, creating a background and working your skills from that and other systems that I could use but I think it's again because 
I know with the level based system that players won't be put off by it if I go with start with that numbers, if they play D&D with me they can transition a lot easier I find it easier to transfer without having to teach them all the new rules and so I do think there's a little bit that the class and level systems kind of propagated I guess a bit by the fact that there is that big core familiarity around that system because of the popularity of Dungeons and Dragons for example that's kind of doing it um, I'll talk a little bit about hybrid systems as well in a way because I, mean, I think Cypher is what I'd kind of seen most recently uh, when I was looking at it that is a hybrid system I feel of the class level thing because there is very set in all the different ones like the Strange, Numenera or the actual generic cipher system there is a class system you pick your sort of classes they're not called that I forget off the top of my head what they're called but you effectively pick your class and then you sort of level in stages which I kind of like the way they did that in a way because it's like you don't suddenly jump up and everything increases it's like as you gain the ability to, to level up you basically increase one bit at a time until you meet those requirements and then effectively move up to your next kind of level and that kind of intrigued me a little bit about was this kind of a compromise that you can get people used to level based systems into it but actually start moving away from those level level systems like I said, this one's a bit more of a rant this episode. It's not going to be too long of a podcast, but I kind of, it was in my head and I kind of want to dump it out there and throw it at you all to talk about or discuss and say that, you know, so level-based systems, are they good, are they bad? Uh, you know, I don't, like I said, I'm not a fan. In any game I've designed, I tend to really move away from them, but I do always end up going back to playing them. I think because of simplicity's sake, it's easier for me to run a game that's based on that system and come back to it than, than it is otherwise. Um, but yeah. Again, any comments on that, then feel free to leave me a voice message um, and I'll add it into my next show and catch up with you all. Or you can email me at gmshadow at hotmail.com or you can catch me and send me a message on the Audio Dungeon. Uh, tell me how crazy I am. Tell me how much you agree with me. Tell me how I explain some of the systems wrong, that they are level-based, etc. I mean, I was trying to generalise. I should have probably done a bit more research again and reminded myself. It's been a while since I've played some of these games. Um, but yeah, let me know and I shall speak to you soon in my next episode. Ooh, I think I might try and do that transition episode. I really got my brain going there about, you know, those transitions between 2E to 3E. I mean, I did want to do an episode on why players' options for 2E isn't actually all that bad, as everybody also thinks, which is a bit like my 4th edition one, I guess. Um, but I might do a little bit about transitions between 2nd edition and 3rd edition, because that's kind of going around my mind. So, until then, I shall speak to you all soon and keep on gaming. <laughs>